Testament eventually. Okay? I would like to do the Gospel of John following Easter. Okay, Gospel of John is one of my specialties, and I want to do that with you guys. Um, I'm not doing Gospel of John out of context. 
Okay, and so in order to build a context, we have to understand the Old Testament. So this is a quick way of understanding the Old Testament, getting our facts in order. Okay, and at different times, some of you have been reading along and say, oh, this seems interesting to me. I'm going to read up on this particular point. That's what I hope. Okay, so that, as we develop as a group, and we're into the Gospel of John, we're into the synoptics, synoptics, we go back and do Exodus together, things like that, that we'll have the tools so that I'm not just up here yelling at you, okay, but that we can actually have a conversation. Okay, I'm sure you've all been to Bible studies of what do you think about this text, and everybody goes, I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, let's move on. Okay, I don't want that, but I do want what do you think about this text, and to be able to come with some tools to be able to offer, and then develop together, and then bring in the, my job will be to say, well, yeah, actually, the church fathers already said that, here and here and here, and you're, you're right, because we laid the foundation. So, all we're doing is trying to lay that quick foundation. Who are these guys? Where do they fit into the picture? We'll be able to go back and, um, when we're reading Gospel of John, make a lot more sense. Eden to Eden is just going to take what we have done over the last, well, we're going to have seven weeks. We have two more after this. It's going to ramp it up. Okay, we're going to look at a little bit more exciting stuff. Uh, not so much of the, the blood and guts and gore and sex and all that stuff that we've been looking at. And look a little bit more about the plan of God behind the story. Okay? And um, it's more of the, oh, wow, check that out. I never saw that before because God's sitting back and he's, in, he's writing this whole thing for us. And so behind this whole human story, there's the divine story and the plan of God. And that's what we're going to look at during Lent. Okay, and we're going to conclude with the resurrection account in John, uh, which is a major ooh-ah situation. It's really good stuff. Um, if we have the tools to work with. So, there it is. That's why we're doing it this way. That's why we're going fast. And the good news is, we are at the halfway mark, in, as far as, or a little bit more than the halfway mark, we're where we need to be, which is a good thing. Um, today is a major challenge for us. We'll see if we can get through it. Last time we finished with two figures. What were their names? No. 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 Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Jeroboam is who? He becomes king of Israel. Jeroboam becomes king of Israel. Now it's confusing because Jeroboam, Jerusalem, right? Don't be confused. Uh, and Rehoboam of Judah. Judah. And Judah is in the what? Is in the south. And these guys are in the north. Yes, you're right. But I wanted to. Yes. Can you spell out the names? Because I can't spell, guys. I'm dyslexic. I can't spell. So whenever you see me like cheating just to half a word, it's because I'm hiding the fact that I don't spell. Okay. And the north takes ten tribes, and the south takes two tribes. Kind of. Benjamin at that point has already been taken over by Judah. Okay, so this is Benjamin and Judah, but it's really just Judah. And that's why we call it Judah. Okay, also we call it Judah because Judah is the throne tribe, and that's where Jerusalem is, and the kings are of the line of Judah. Okay, good. In the north, uh, uh, Jeroboam takes off with the tribes of Israel, and he is kind of becomes this... A king figure, if not just full-blown king in the north, and sets up his throne city. And his throne city is called Jerusalem. No, the throne city. Oh, whoa, that's my fault. 
Yeah, turn to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 24. We started like eight minutes late, so I get a couple extra minutes for you guys. 1 Kings chapter 8. I'm uh, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 16. My fault. 16, verse 21. Don't start reading ahead. Wait till everybody gets there. Verse 21. Want to read for us? Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed the Tibni, the son of Gadnath, to them to make him king, and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri overcame the people who followed Tibni the son of Ninias, so Tibni died and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel, and he reigned for 12 years. Six years he reigned in Tizra, Tirza. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shermer for two talents of silver, and he fortified the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria after the name of Shemer. Okay, so Omri ends up becoming king eventually down the line, long after Jeroboam. Okay, Omri ends up becoming king. There was a little fight for who was going to become king. Omri gets elected or gets whatever crowned or whatever he did. And he becomes king and he fortifies the city of Samaria and makes it the throne city in the north. This is where we're going to get the Samaritans from. With, yes. With the Jews in 12 tribes, they were 12 tribes at this point, still 12? Kind of, yes. The, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because... When they divide, yeah. what happens to the Levites? Yeah, what happens to the Levites? What land do they get? Do they split no. between some other priest goes someplace and some of the other? Yeah, we'll have a chance to get this later in another Bible study back. But what happens is the Levites are not given, it says they're not given any land, but they're really given the best land. And it's not Jerusalem exactly, it's the temple. They're given the land which is the temple. Okay? And um, the rest of the tribe of Judah, of course, has Jerusalem. But. They receive the very best land. The reason I said it's a little funny is because when they, when, um, when Joseph, um, not when Joseph, when Israel, Jacob, blesses the twelve tribes, he blesses Joseph's two sons. Okay, so when they come into the land, Joseph's two sons get land. Okay, but Joseph doesn't. So the tribe of Joseph ends up splitting into his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Okay, those are two of the tribes. But the tribe of Levi is not given any land in particular except for the temple. Okay, so you still end up with 12. Okay? I know you guys are like, boy, that's really exciting. It's not. Uh, okay, fine. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Chapter 17, verse 1. Yes. Real quick to get a place. How do we how's the time frame here? Where are we? Where are we as far as uh, dates or yeah. dates? Like how much farther after Jeroboam was this? Um, uh, when does, that's a good question. I have dates coming right up in my notes and I don't have them that far back. Although I just... Yeah, when does David, the question is when does David get elected and that kind of stuff. I don't have it in front of me. I was thinking in relation to Solomon or Jeroboam. 
Oh, well, I mean, it's just, it's just David, Solomon, Jeroboam. So you can imagine probably, what, 100 years? It's thinking about Amri? Oh, to that point, I don't know. Okay. Off the top of my head, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, well, you can take Is it there? Yes, it is. Okay. Pull out your little trusty thing there. Ah, you got, you got it. Okay. Thank you. My brother put this together. Thank God for my brother. Okay. This uh, outline in the Bible. So there you have it. You get a general idea of the time period there. Okay. See that up at the top. Fine. We gotta move. Chapter seventeen, verse one. Chapter seventeen, verse one. Right at the top of the dates. If that's what you're looking at. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward. This is where Elijah shows up on the scene. And this is where we're going to get all of the prophets showing up. If you pull out your trusty outline of the Bible... And you look down to the bottom, that bottom strip where you got all those names listed, find 2 Kings, 1st and 2 Kings, okay? By 2 Kings, we have the division in the kingdom between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. They're right there above 2 Kings, okay? The prophets show up. Now, this is another concrete wall that we hit in the scriptures because it gets very confusing where things are at in the Bible, and most people just don't know how to handle the books. And so we hit it, we fall apart. If we've gotten this far, very few people have. Okay? The prophets show up in order to do two things. Condemn the people for what they're doing. Okay? And give them hope of the future. That's what every prophet's going to do. They're going to show up on the scene and they're just going to say, you're going to hell. In a handbasket. And then, halfway through their prophecy, they're going to turn around and go, however, if you do this, God will bless you. And in fact, some of them give the actual promise that yes, God is going to return to Israel to bless it, or to Judah, which eventually will come to Israel again, but and bless it, and everything is going to be okay again. So in every prophet, there's this balance between condemnation and promise. Okay? So Elijah shows up on the scene, okay, and he goes and preaches to the north. Okay, you'll see right under 2 Kings, on your little outline of the Bible, prophets of Israel, Hosea and Amos. If you want to go read the prophecies against Israel in the north, those are the guys you got to go and read. They're in the Bible, They're, they have their own texts. Okay, and then prophets that go to Judah. You got Habakkuk, it, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Joel, Micah, Zephaniah. Prophets to Assyria. Who's Assyria? We're going to find out who Assyria is in just a minute. The enemies, no? They're the enemies from the north. They're going to come in the picture in just a few minutes. And then the prophets to Edom. Edom is just south and uh, east. east. Thank you. Why the enemies because the prophets go and say you're going to hell in a handbasket. Okay? 
How come in the list of the prophets, mm -hmm. Elijah and Elisha are not listed? Because they didn't write their own books. Important. They didn't write their own books. And so these are just the books. Okay, the guys that wrote the text down. Okay, these are texts in the Bible that you have. But Elijah and Elisha didn't write their own text. Here they are in 1 Kings, okay, and 2 Kings, and we'll, we'll deal with that. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, All right. because Elijah shows up in both 1 and 2 Kings. That's true. That's but true. He never shows up in the list of prophets. That's right. However, he is a prophet. Okay. The most important prophet. Well, he's one of the most important prophets. <laughs> it must be because God took him up into heaven. Ah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But there's even a greater prophet among Israel. We'll talk about that in the Gospel of John. Hold on, sir. Okay. Now, First and Second Kings, then, is just this procession of kings. King after king after king. And most of the time, the kings are blowing it. Okay? They're doing all sorts of things they shouldn't do in the north and in the south. Okay? So as we turn we turn the pages of First Kings, you're just going to see all these different guys and Elijah and Elisha and all these, you know, different stories about the kings and about sin and whatever until you get to 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Sheila, you want to continue that verse too? Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the king of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. Uh, bad idea. Okay, you don't go inquire of Beelzebub. Okay, go ahead. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, It is because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Now therefore thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone, but you shall surely die. Okay. Yeah, fine. You see what's going on. It's just a sample of what's going on. Things are in a bad way. Okay? And so these prophets come and preach against them. I'm going to give you a sample of just a couple of prophets we're going to deal with today. Um, one is Hosea. It's a good example at this time. If you, if you take your Bible, now, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor today, not to, not to uh, get all upset, because we're going to do a lot of turning in the Bible. Okay. Now, if you just take, I want, this is a good lesson to learn. From here on out in the scriptures, very few things are in chronological order. Okay? And so that's why we get very confused and the prophets don't make any sense to us. The key for us is to try to put them in some sort of order. Okay? So look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, 2 Kings and we're going to flip fast 1st and 2nd Chronicles, keep going, Tobit, Esther, keep going, the Psalms, keep going, just go with me. Right? Song of Songs. I, the book of Isaiah is fairly large. You should see that in there. The book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and finally Ezekiel. Go past Isaiah, you'll find Ezekiel. I promise it's in there. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. I'm, what am I doing? Ezekiel. No, keep going from Ezekiel. Sorry. Keep going. Ezekiel, Daniel, to Hosea. Hosea is very small. So go past Ezekiel, past Daniel, to Hosea. Keep going. Keep going, Norma. You gotta watch. Look at your Bible when you're turning. Don't worry, we're gonna get there. Hosea. It's very small. You'll find it. 
follows Ezekiel, follows Daniel. After Daniel. After Daniel. Good. If you're not there yet, don't be afraid to go back and like this. And you're going to see it. I promise. Okay? Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Good. Hosea. I want to turn to this just to give you a sample of what the prophets oftentimes did. Oftentimes, they embodied the sin of Israel. What do I mean by that? That they took and they said, look, look at me and you're going to see the problem. Okay? God had them do all sorts of funny things in order to show the people what they were doing. Hosea is a classic example of that, a rather funny one. Andy, you want to read that for us? Chapter 1. Starting at 1? Yeah. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Mary, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joab. Mm, Jeroboam. Okay, there we go. Now look. It's so important that we read this text in light of what's going on, right? I mean, if we read it out of context, we don't know who Jeroboam is, we're going to be in trouble because we're going to read reading the text just willy-nilly and it won't make any sense to us. Okay? Go ahead. In the beginning of the Lord speaking to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take a harlot wife and harlot's children, for the land gives itself to harlotry, turning away from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Give him the name Jezreel. For in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and bring to an end the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. When okay, she- that's fine. Okay. So what is he, what's, so what's going on? First of all, we have a prophecy there of the, of the destruction of the kingdom of Israel in the north, remember. Israel's in the north. We've got a division between Israel and Judah. Okay? So he's going to go and preach to the north. Okay? As we saw in that little handout I have for you. What else does he do? He says, go and marry a harlot. For the land, or the people, have become harlots. Okay? They've gone after other lords or other husbands. Okay? Why have they done that? You remember. Or why is he saying they've done that? You remember, what did Jeroboam do? What did he do when he became king of the north? What did he set up? Two shrines. Two shrines. Two golden calves, right? So they've gone after idols and other gods. And going after another god, okay, is breaking covenant with the Lord, making a covenant with another Lord. Okay? Um, in Hebrew, Baal simply means husband. Okay? So this idea of Lord and husband are very interchangeable. And, so this, and also with the idea of covenant and marriage covenant between the people and God. When they break covenant, they become prostitutes or harlot. Okay? So he goes and he marries a harlot. Okay? And he has these children. You can keep on this in the story. Okay? Uh, go to Second King, back to Second Kings, okay? Because we're still within that context of Second Kings, right? Second Kings is back there before First and Second Chronicles. Second Kings chapter two, verse twenty-three. Don't start reading without me. This is a good one. This is another one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Chapter two. This is for a little bit of levity. 
Elijah gets taken into heaven. The power of Elijah is given to Elisha, his, his disciple. And Elisha takes off. It's right after Elijah is taken into heaven. Okay, this is a little enticer to get you to read. Verse 23, chapter 2, verse 23. So Elisha takes off and he goes and he starts traveling. He says, he went up there from Beth- to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him saying, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. He must have been bald headed. <laughs> and he turned around and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the, of the boys. From there he went on to Carmel and that's to return to Samaria. <laughs> you see, you gotta read the Bible with humor. I mean, it's, it's really pretty funny. I'm falling and falling, and these bears come out and they rip them apart. Stop. Where else are you gonna get that? Alright. Back to seriousness. We had the prophecy in Hosea of the fall of Samaria in the north. Okay? And in chapter 17, we actually get that text. So turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. We're skipping all this stuff. It's just simply the story of these kings in the north and in the south. In the north and in the south. Back and forth. Until chapter 17, the north is going to fall out of existence here. 2 Kings chapter 17. Anson, can you give us that verse 1 and on? In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Elah, uh, began to reign in Samaria over Israel, and he reigned nine years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, yet not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Against him came uh, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hosea became the vassal and paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria found treachery in Hosea, for he had sent messengers uh, to so, king of Egypt, and ordered no tribe to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land that came to Samaria, and for three years he besieged it. In the ninth year of Hoshea, a king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria, and he placed them in Hala, and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, in the cities of Medes. And this was so because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Okay, and so on. In verse 24, now look, you're going to find out what the Assyrians do with the people. Okay, they take over. And this, the Assyrians did this all over the place. Go ahead. Explain chapter again. And the king of Assyria brought the people from Babylon, Kuta, Ava, and so on. Go ahead, just go. Uh, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possessions of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, The nations which you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of their land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they are killing them, because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, Send there one of the priests whom you carry to the tents, and let him go and dwell there, and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel, and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own, and put them in the shrines and the high places which Samaritans had made. Okay, and so on. So what's going on here? When the Assyrians conquered a people, 
They didn't just go and they rule the people. Nor did they just go and rule the people and take uh, and or, um, exile the people over to Assyria. What they would do is they would take the people and they would scatter them to every other nation they had conquered. Okay, so that they wouldn't have their friends around them or their whatever. Okay. And they would be in a foreign land. They wouldn't know how to anything around them. It's very difficult to go into revolt. They would take the people from those lands and they would exile them into other lands. If you're in your own land, it's very easy to go into revolt. You know the land, you know the place, you get a plan together and you do it, right? But if you're in another land, it's very difficult. And so the Assyrians were masters of that. They would switch people all around. So they came and they conquered Samaria or Israel in the north and they brought in five other kingdoms that they had conquered, five other peoples, and those people brought their gods with them. Okay? In addition to that, the people in the north retained something of the true God. Okay? It's very important when we come to the Gospel of John and the Samaritan woman to understand what's going on. These people were uh, idol worshippers. They were also believers in Yahweh, kind of. Okay. Uh, also, they rejected the prophets. The only thing they accepted was the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Why didn't they reject the prophets? They didn't like what they said. Yeah, exactly. The prophets came and said, "Hey, you, you guys are going to hell in a handbasket." They said, "Ah, out with you." Okay. So that's who the Samaritans are, and that's who they they kind of stay up there in the north, and they're a constant. Uh, problem for the people in the south, for Judah. Okay? Um, fine, so they get exiled in 721. Okay. 721. That, by the way, if you guys weren't here last week, is our site for um, having a. That's where these talks are being recorded to. So we are recording this talk. There it is. You can write it down later. Okay. What happens to Judah in the south? Turn to 2 Kings chapter 20. We're taking our time a little bit more today. What's that? Second Kings chapter twenty. Verse one. Sheila, can you read that for us? In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him. Okay, now Hezekiah is one of the kings of Judah in the south, right? And we know that from, if you had read, we had read the story, but also because we know Isaiah goes and preaches to the people in the south. So, go ahead. And said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in faithfulness and with a whole heart. Okay. And done what is good in thy sight. Okay, now keep your hand there on that page and flip to Isaiah. Again, just scan like this. First and second Chronicles, Ezra, you got Esther, Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes. You keep going, Wisdom, Sirach, keep going. And Isaiah. Isaiah is our first major prophet. Okay? It's the first big old book we run into again after okay, all that. What's that? Um, no, before that. Oh, it's after Ezra and Nehemiah. I don't know. Isaiah is big, so you can just take the whole Old Testament and go, then you'll find it. Okay? 
Don't look at the front of your book to find out what page it's on. You'll never learn how to read and figure out what things are in the Bible. All right. Where are we supposed to be? Isaiah, Isaiah. Isaiah um, chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38. If you're not there, don't worry. Look home with your neighbor. You got your hand in over at 2 Kings still. And now we've got Isaiah chapter 38. You got your hand in both of those places. Okay, put your hand in Isaiah. Flip back to 2 Kings with me. Okay, and look at that first sentence of chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah became sick. See that? Turn to Isaiah chapter 38. Keep your hand in 2 Kings. If you lost it, that's okay. In those days, Hezekiah became sick. Turn back. Was at the point of death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order. Go back. 38. <laughs> Isaiah 38. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order. You see what's going on? The same story is being told. Okay? So, again, if you're going to read the prophecy of Isaiah, what are you going to do? First, go back to 2 Kings and get your context because Isaiah is not going to make sense otherwise. Okay? All the time we read Isaiah in, in, the, in the church, and half the time nobody understands what's going on. Okay? My notes are a total disaster. Ah, there it is. Okay. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 20 with me. Verse 16. Chapter 20, verse 16. Go ahead, Sheila. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when the, all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Okay, so now we've got this prophecy. Not only is the north destroyed, now by Assyria, we've got a prophecy that the Babylonians, who are going to rise to power about this time, the Babylonians are going to conquer the Assyrians, and they're going to come down upon Israel. And now we've got a prophecy that, yep, not only is the north going to get rocked, but the south's going to get rocked too. Okay? Um... Why is that? Why is God going to allow that to happen? Look at chapter 22 to get a little sample of what's going on at the time. 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Ah, that's not good either. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Jedidah, the daughter of so-and-so. And, uh, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So he ends up being a good king. The story of Judah, you get bad kings, mostly bad kings. You get occasional good kings, and this is one of them. But it's a sample of what's wrong. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside from the right hand or to the left. In the 18th year of the king of Josiah, the, the king sent Saphon, the son of Azaliah, son of so-and-so, the secretary to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may reckon the amount of the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord. That's the temple which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people, and let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house. So the house has fallen into dis disrepair, and Josiah wants to repair it. 
Verse 6, that is to the carpenters and to the builders and the masons, as well as for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money which is delivered into the hand, for they deal honestly. And Hilkiah the high priest and, uh, said to Sophon the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Sophon and he read it. And Sophon the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that they found in the house and have delivered it into the hands of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Sophon the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Sophon read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he rent his clothes. What happened? They had lost the book of the Lord. Okay, or at least one of the books of the law. Okay, and where was it? It was in the temple. Okay, that's the state of things. It's like losing the Bible and the Pope, or you know, it's the, the Secretary of State of the Pope going to the Pope and going, <laughs> We found the Bible. And but not only that, what does he say? Oh, we found a book. They didn't even know it existed. Okay? So things were in a pretty bad way. Uh, and the Lord prophesies um, through the prophets the destruction of Jerusalem. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Isn't a lot of this in Ezra too? Yeah. We get, um, well, not quite. In Ezra is another story. We're going to get to that. Okay? Ezra is about the return. So this is just... It seems to me I read all that in Ezra today, and then I come back to reading it again, and I'm reading it again. I don't you know why? Because right now we're reading the destruction of the temple okay. that's about to come. They're going to go into exile, and when Ezra comes back, it's the first rebuilding of the temple. So it's a... It's all repeated then in that. Mm, there may be a, a section there that does it. It, re, okay. it recalls it, maybe. Okay. Words, I'm not going bonkers then. No, you're not going bonkers. Don't worry. I'm glad to point out you're reading Ezra. It's great. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 24. As you notice, we're going a lot slower this time. We're slowing way down. We're doing good. We are. Chapter 24, verse 1, Sheila, go ahead. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. Okay, Jehoiakim is going to be very important for us. Go ahead. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans, and bands of the Syrians, and bands of the Moabites, and bands of the Ammonites, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servants and prophets. Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not pardon. Now the rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim Oh yeah, get that. And all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? The book of the Chronicles of the Kings. What book is that? Chronicles. Chronicles. Just turn the page with me. See 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles? 1 and 2 Chronicles is a parallel of 1 and 2 Kings, but it's just about Judah. It, It doesn't talk about Israel in the north. It just talks about Judah in the south. But it's a parallel book. So when you're reading 1 and 2 Kings, oftentimes you get that. Well, we're not going to tell you more because it's already written in the First and Second Chronicles. Okay, so you got to go and read First and Second Chronicles if you want to do that. First and Second Chronicles is a little more boring than First and Second Kings is. Okay, so if you look at my Bible, there's not a whole lot of notes in it, unfortunately. Okay, 
Keep your hand there at 2 Kings chapter 24. Just back one page. Okay? And turn with me to Daniel. Okay? Again, flip with me. Nehemiah, keep going. Psalms, wisdom, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Where's Daniel? There you go, right after Ezekiel. See, I don't know it all by heart. Did I tell you to keep your hand in 2 Kings? Good. The book of Daniel. Again, a text that we read oftentimes. I think Drain Lent quite a bit in the Roman church, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Drain Lent. Daniel? I'm not sure. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Chapter 1, verse 1. Andrew? Are you there? Yeah. Are you there? And the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. Same guy that we read back there in 2 Kings. Go ahead. King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, handsome and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to serve in the king's palace, and to teach them the letters and language of the Chaldeans. Good, okay. So, you get the, um, the first exile of Judah, okay, and it's in 605. In 605, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he takes some of his choice men of Judah and takes them back with him to his own house. Who are those men? Look down at verse 6. Daniel verse 6, chapter 1 verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Who are those guys? Those three guys. The three young young men, right? What are their... Babylonian names. These are their Hebrew names. Shad- oh, it's right there. Yes. Yeah, and the chiefs of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called uh, so and so, and then Ananias called Shadrach, Meshach, and so on. You see that? So he comes and he takes. It's a first exile in 605. There's going to be three exiles. Okay. Again, the book of Daniel has got to be read in that context. Um, well, we don't have time to get into it. But you can just scan the headings of the book of Daniel, and you'll see that as we go through the book of Daniel, suddenly you start to get revelations of what's going on back in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem's about to get rocked. They're about to get totally destroyed. And so he's going to be out there and writing about what's taking place, okay? So as you read those headings, you can do that later on. There was a question. Okay, so Jerusalem is the king in Judah. Yes. And then Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians take over, and he becomes and he becomes he becomes his vassal. Uh-huh. Okay. At this point, what's that? But then he turned against him. Well, we're not there yet. Oh. Or did we do that? Well, no. He comes down. He takes. He he. Okay. He. All right. Do we read that? In Kings twenty four. Twenty-four. That's Fine. Okay. There's there's three things that take place. This first coming down and taking control and making. Making a vassal out of Jeconiah. Okay? So what they're calling he's got two names, so they call him Jeconiah. Jehoiakim. Jeconiah and Jehoiakim, the same guy. Okay. Verse 10. Or verse 8, Andrew. 
Second Kings, yes. Second Kings, chapter twenty-four, verse eight. Jehoiakim was eighteen years old. Chapter twenty-four, verse eight. Jehoiakim was eighteen years old when he became king, when he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Anathan and of Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city while the servants were besieging it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon, himself and his mother and his servants, and his princes and his palace officials. The king of Babylon took his prisoner in the eighth year of his reign, and he carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord. Mm, that's bad. Can keep going. Which Solomon, king of Israel, had, had made, as the Lord had foretold. He carried, all, carried away all Jerusalem, all the princes, and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and the smiths, none remained, except the poorest people of <clears throat> And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the chief men of the land. He took him to captivity uh, from Jerusalem into uh, to Babylon. And the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon all the men of valor, 7,000, and the craftsmen and the smiths, 1,000, all of them strong and fit for war. And the king of Babylon made Mattaniah, Je Jehoiakim's uncle, king in his stead, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Okay, so he puts, he takes the king away, he makes a new king, Zedekiah, okay, who was the king's uncle, okay, and makes him his vassal, and he takes the king off to Babylon. Okay, now again, I'm going to ask you to do it with me again, is I'm going to just put your hand there and flip with me past songs, past songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the way to Ezekiel. I should have told you that first. Because we're all looking at me going, we know where it's at. Ezekiel. For those that don't, this is like, you know, Bible 101 here. So, what's that? It's just before Daniel. Yeah. Ezekiel. This second exile takes place in 598. What chapter? Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Go ahead, Sheila. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, and the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the river Shebar, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, and the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness wrapped about it. Okay, look at verse 2 again. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, or Jehoiakim, same guy. The fifth year of his exile. Okay, so now um, what's happened is Ezekiel has gotten exiled in the second exile, okay, and it's five years uh, after that. He's out there and he's prophesying from Babylon, okay, um, which is also called uh, the land of the Chaldeans, okay, and what does he say? I see a storm coming out of the north, okay. What's going to happen? He's going to prophesy the fall of Jerusalem, which is about to happen, okay. Turn with me real quick, just a couple of pages in Ezekiel, and look at those headings all the way to chapter 5. 
You see the heading, Siege of Jerusalem portrayed, or something like that. Punishment for idolatry. And then finally, what? In chapter 8, I don't know if yours says it, but the end has come. The end has come. So now, so this is halfway to his prophecy, and then the end, the fall of Jerusalem has come. Okay, so he's off in Babylon already, but he's prophesying about what's taking place there. Okay, turn back to 2 Kings with me. Okay, get rid of Ezekiel. We're done. That was fast Ezekiel, wasn't it? So if you want to read Ezekiel again, what are you going to do? Context, context, context. It's going to make a whole lot more sense to you. Okay. Yeah. To get the context of Ezekiel, though, in chapter one one, it talks about the thirtieth year, and there's no reference to a king or anything when it refers. To, how do you tell where it's coming from? Um, it doesn't talk about Joachim to the verse two when it says the fifth year. Right. It's saying before that it says the thirtieth year. Yeah. In verse okay. one. Okay. I don't know. Like, ask that during your question thing. I'll try to look at it. Okay. Okay. Back to Second Kings. Um, we dealt with the second exile, 598. Okay, and he sets up Zedekiah as king. Zedekiah, chapter 24, right at the end of chapter 24. He makes, he makes Jehoiakim's uncle king in his stead, right? And verse 18, chapter 24, verse 18. Zedekiah was 21 years when he old became king. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Verse 19, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because the anger of the Lord had came to him the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out of his presence and Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon and in the ninth year of his reign what happened last time when a guy rebelled? <coughs> bad news, right? and in the ninth year of his reign in the tenth month in the tenth day of the month Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon king with all of his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it and they built siege work against it round about so the city was besieged till the eleventh year of king Zedekiah on the ninth day and so on and what happens is it falls in verse 5 but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king. So the king takes off from Jerusalem and overtook him in the plains of Jericho and all his army was scattered about him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon and Riblah who would pass sentence upon him. And they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and they put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in fetters and took him to Babylon. So the last thing Zedekiah sees is that his progeny, his son, are wiped out. He's finished. Okay, and he's taken off to Babylon blind. Okay? When you're reading these stories, get an image. Think about Nebuchadnezzar, okay? king of Babylon. Babylon rules the world at this time. Pretty much rules the world at this time. And later on, they rule the world even more. He brings his entire army. Do you know what that would look like against the city of Jerusalem? Jerusalem's not like you know San Francisco or Los Angeles or D.C. or something. Okay, not too big, and with walls already. Could you imagine looking out from Jerusalem and the entire army of the man who rules the world is laying siege to your walls? You guys seen what's the movie um, with the with the troll with the little guys? Lord of the Rings. Remember, and they're all in. That's what it must have been like. And can you imagine what it, how it would have been? Anyways, it would have, yeah, that's uh, wild stuff. Okay. Where are they? Um, Jerusalem falls in 586. Where are you now? I'm just telling you what it felt in 586. I wasn't reading. Okay? Um, verse 8, 25, verse, chapter 25, verse 8. Sheila, go ahead. In the fifth month and the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, 
Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the captain of the bodyguard, the servants of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. And he burned the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem. And the rest of the people who were left in the city, and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the multitude, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen. And the pillars of bronze that were in the house okay. of the Lord. And so on. So he just trashes Jerusalem, but he leaves certain people there. They're the poor. Okay? Without trying to get into it right now, it's because the, the reason they ended up being exiled, the final reason was that they had not held um, the, um, the year of release. The, uh, what's it called? Jubilee. The Jubilee year. Okay? So finally God comes in and says, fine, you're not going to hold the year of release where all the slaves and the land is given back. You're finished. And so he rocks them and he leaves the poor, the ones that would have been released from servitude. And he leaves the land to be fruitful. Okay? Um, and not only that, what kind of men are they? The vine dressers. Okay, they're the gardeners. Like Adam before the fall. Okay, the good, the good remnant that are left. Okay. Um, okay. Again, let's turn to Jeremiah. Okay, do the same thing. Learn how to scan just like that with me. Just right past Isaiah. Keep going. Past Isaiah to Jeremiah. Okay, keeping your hand back there. Hopefully, the second Kings. Some of you guys might be bored at this point, but I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 43. I'm sorry, chapter 40. Chapter 40, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the, uh, from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard. Remember his name back there? We just read his name. Had left him to go from Ramah when he took him bound in chains along with all the captives of Jerusalem and Judah who were being exiled to Babylon. This is a third exile. And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God pronounced this evil against this place. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he said, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice. This thing has come upon you, not Jeremiah himself, but the people. Now, hold, I, now behold, I release you today from the chains of your hands. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come and I will look after you well. But if it seems wrong to you come, um, to come with me to Babylon, do not come. See, the whole land is before you. Go wherever you think it is good. Skip down to verse 6. Then Jeremiah went to Ged uh, Gedaliah, the son of Elikam, at Mizpah, and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. Okay? Among the people who were left in the land. That's that remnant they were talking about in 2 Kings. So, Jeremiah, the prophet, stays in the land. Okay? And he prophesies from there. Eventually, he's going to go to Egypt. Because that remnant takes off and heads for Egypt. Because they get scared. They shouldn't have done it, but they did. And they went down to Egypt, and Jeremiah goes with them. So again, it's my final one about Jeremiah. I said, you got to read it in context when you're reading Jeremiah. 
to understand where he's writing from and what he's doing. And it's not hard to find that out. We have gone, besides Jeremiah, you just went to the first page of the book, right? And read, okay, I recognize who that is and where it's at. Let me make a connection with 2 Kings, and I'll have my context, and I'll be able to read this guy properly. Does that make sense? All right. Um, let me just find out where we're at, where we need to be. We're behind, that's for sure. <laughs> we're going too slow. We're not so far behind. Actually, we're doing, we're doing, we're on, we're on track. What's that? Are we going to be doing this for years? Yes, we're going to get you the whole Bible by Lent. Don't worry, no. Then that's true, that's true, because look, we're, we're doing amazing things, because we're almost, we're just not too far from the New Testament, and we're going to be fine. Really, trust me on this. Okay? Um, we already looked at the embodiment of sin. You could look at it again in Ezekiel chapter 4 if you wanted to, but we're not going to look at that. At this point, what do we have? The people are exiled. Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple has been destroyed. All the holy vessels are gone. Things are not too pretty. Everybody's in exile in different places. Most of them up in Babylon. And what's going to happen? A key thing that I want you to learn. Turn to the book of Isaiah. It's right there. Don't moan. Okay, it's right there. Isaiah. Look at chapter 40. This is the second principle about, about prophets that I want you to... No. Okay, the first one was that they embody the sin of the people. Okay, and the second one, I'm just realizing I already mentioned to you, but here it is in chapter 40. And that is after they condemn the people and say you're going to hell in a handbasket, usually things turn around. And this is what happens in the prophecy of Isaiah. It happens in Jeremiah. It happens with almost every prophet. So you look at chapter 40. Suddenly, things change in the, in the prophecy. And you've heard this before. Comfort, comfort my people, says, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sin. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert, the highway for our God. Who is that? That we normally hear that in the mouth of John the Baptist. So look, when you're reading John the Baptist, what are you going to do? You come back to this text and you read it in context for what's going on. Because John the Baptist is intentionally saying, guys, you know what's going on right now? Even though you're dwelling in Jerusalem, you're in spiritual exile. And you know what's about to take place? God is about to prepare his highway through the desert and bring you back to where you're supposed to be. Okay? What that would have felt like to hear those words in Babylon, and more importantly, what it would have felt like to hear those words on the edge of the Jordan just before our Lord was about to appear. Okay? And look, listen to it. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain hill be laid low, and uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look at that. The glory of the Lord is going to appear. That is the text that follows upon John the Baptist's words. And what happens? Our Lord appears in the Jordan, and suddenly what happens? The sky opens, and the Holy Spirit comes down upon our Lord, and the glory of the Lord appears on the ridge of the Holy Man. Okay? You see why this is so important to understand this text in context. Okay? It's, it, you can't read it without that. 
All right. <coughs> Go back to Second Kings, chapter 25. We're almost out of Second Kings. Once we break Second Kings, we are just free to go. We're going to be set, sitting pretty. I've got, give me five minutes. <laughs> oh, we started late. It's it's chapter 25, verse 27. And in the 37th year, sorry, chapter 25, verse 37 of 2 Kings. And in the 37th year of the exile, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, we've been hearing his name, right? In the 12th month of the 27th day of the month, evil uh, Merodach, that's an unfortunate name, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiakim king of Judah from prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put off his prison garments, and every day of his life he dined under the king's table. So suddenly, right at the end of 2 Kings, right at the end of the story of the destruction of Jerusalem, we get this glimmer of hope. That something is going to happen. The king is still alive, and now suddenly he has been raised up and is standing and sent side by side with the king of Babylon. Okay, there's hope. Was there a question out there? No. Okay. Um, Isaiah chapter 45. You guys see how this is a launching The second king is a launching point. We're going to look at a couple other texts that are still in this kind of chronological story. But the rest of the Old Testament, for the most part, are these different prophecies taking place at different times, and it's not in chronological order. So you've got to put it in chronological, chronological order yourself. Okay? What did I say to turn to? 45. Isaiah chapter 45? Yes. You get a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 45. We were just there at chapter 40, right? Yes. Right here at chapter 45, suddenly you get this guy that we haven't heard of before. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and gird the loins of the kings, to open doors before him, the gates may not be closed, and I will go before you, and so on. Who is Cyrus? Yeah, Cyrus is king of Persia. Now, where's Persia in relation to this whole thing? Bab uh, the Assyrians had been in control of pretty much the whole world. The Babylonians rose up and took over. So the Assyrians exiled the first group in the northern kingdom. The Babylonians come in and exile the southern kingdom. And suddenly Persia comes on the scene as this powerhouse and rocks Babylon, takes over the whole kingdom of Babylon. And King Cyrus appears on the scene. King Cyrus is extremely important for us. Okay? Um, turn to Ezra. Now, where's Ezra? Go back to 2 Kings, then flip to 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra. Ezra's a small text, but it's the next book in that chronological order of the story that we're keeping. Okay? They have been in exile for 70 years. And there's Daniel has prophesied, all these guys have prophesied. And finally, we get the book of Ezra. Well, most people haven't... How many people have read the book of Ezra before? I did. Some of you have. <laughs> Look at that. It's like the lottery. We just All right, read us chapter 1, verse 1. Yo, you're on. Go ahead. I'm just, just one verse. Read. All right, all right. Return to the exiles. Now in the 
first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, to fulfill the word of Yahweh that was spoken through Jeremiah, Yahweh roused the spirit of Cyrus, king of Egypt, to issue a proclamation and to have it publicly displayed throughout his kingdom. Thus speaks Cyrus, king of Persia, Yahweh, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has ordered me to build him a temple in Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with you. Let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah to build the temple of Yahweh, the God of Israel. Okay, now you guys should be going, what in the world's going on? A king of Persia suddenly knows the Lord. Okay, this guy's had a revelation for sure. Okay, and a conversion to follow it. And suddenly he frees the people of God in Babylon and says, "Go back and build the temple of God, of the true God." Who told you that? Who told him that Yahweh existed? How did he know? Possibly simply by revelation, but also possibly he goes and conquers the Babylonians. And who does he find there? This funny people. Okay? Who are these people? And he might have learned from them. But also it appears as though God is working through him in a special way, giving him grace. To, you don't just do that. Okay, so sending these people back and building temples to gods that you don't know. And okay. So he ends up fronting the money for the whole thing. He sends the people back, gives them money to rebuild the temple, and all of that good stuff. Okay? Chapter 2, verse 1 is the last thing we're going to look at. Chapter? Chapter 2, verse 1. Answer. Listen, Norma, listen. Chapter 2, verse 1. Ezra. Ezra, chapter 2, verse 1. What's with all the numbers? 20,000 went and they sent 10,000 of these people. Yeah. 1,000 coppersmiths or whatever. Yeah. Why? Why all the numbers? Uh, well, it's a historical account, okay, and it's also written by the people of Israel, and they have a very serious interest in this. What's taking place here is the restoration of God's plan for humanity, okay? So, now these were the people of provinces who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, carried captive to Babylonia. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Yeshua, Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah next time. He's the next book in here. Okay? And so on. Now why do I want to look at that? First of all, a list of names is given. Usually for a reason. Okay? Who are these guys that come back? If they're going to list a few names, usually they're important guys. Okay? The last thing we're going to do, I promise. Right here. I'll keep my word. I'm going to find it in my notes here. It's here. First Chronicles. Chapter 3. Go backwards, right? First Chronicles. Remember, what did I tell you about First Chronicles? And Second Chronicles? It's the story of the kings of Judah. Keeping their hand in their hands, right? If you, if you Oh, well. That's right. Okay. Find First Chronicles chapter 3, and then put your finger there and go back and find your Ezra text. Chapter 2, okay? Last thing we're going to do, I promise. I can't believe we've gotten through this. This is fantastic. Except we haven't we've only gotten to about half of what I wanted to do today. But that's okay. We're still on track. We're going to be fine. <laughs> All right, we're all okay, right? First Chronicles, Ezra. Now let me read you Ezra chapter 2, verse 2 again. Chapter 2, verse 2. They came with Zerubbabel, Yeshua, Nehemiah. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Turn a second to First Chronicles chapter 3. Verse 1. 
These are the sons of David. Ah, important text. Now scan down with me, chapter verse 10. These are the descendants of Solomon. Rehoboam. You see Rehoboam next? All right. Keep scanning. Verse 15. The sons of Josiah, Johanan the firstborn, is Jeho- Jehoiakim. Oh, remember Jehoiakim? Yeah. And the, uh, Jehoiakim the third, Zedekiah the fourth, and the sons of uh, Jehoiakim, and so on, Shealtiel, verse 19. And the sons of so and so, Zerubbabel. <laughs> Who is this that is coming back into the Holy Land with the people that had gotten exiled? None other than the rightful heir to the throne of Judah. The king has returned to the land. Does that make sense to you? Yes? Okay. Now, it doesn't say anything in Ezra about him being king. Why? Yeah, just like when they were in exile in Egypt, they're like, hey, look, I won't lose my head. Keep it under wraps, okay? Do me a favor, if you have time over the next week, read Haggai. Haggai, very short text. Haggai, and if you want to read part of Zechariah, you can. Haggai. It's almost at the end of the Old Testament. It's a very short text. Just read Haggai. Zechariah, you don't have to read. Read Haggai. Okay? Because he mentions these guys again. Yeshua, that other guy, is the high priest, and that's why he's mentioned second. Okay? How do you spell that? We're way over time. Let's finish. What we're gonna do is again, I mean some of you I think have some questions. Yes? Questions? You wanna stay for it? Anybody wants to stay? Who wants to stay? too many people. Alright, we'll stay. Whatever. We'll get 60 seconds and uh, go ahead and stand up if you want to leave. Go. 60 seconds. I'll take five minutes of questions and we'll call it good. Okay, if you want to stay for five minutes, Questions. I hope somebody stayed actually has a question. It can't be that fun to stay. No questions? Edmund. Now, you're using the uh, RSV translations, I think. Mm-hmm. That has a lot of the references at the at the bottom of the Bible. Footnotes. Uh, yes. Yes. So, so say something? Can you find some of the things that you've been talking about there? In the footnotes, yeah. yes. Open your Bibles. Everybody look down at the bottom of your page. You'll see footnotes. Now, some of the footnotes, if they're explanatory footnotes, don't trust them. Because most of the people that translate the Bible don't believe in God. <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little harsh, but, but just don't trust them. But anyway, all I have is a little footnote. Thank you, Edmund, for pointing that out. You can do a little bit of study on your own that way. Okay? Oftentimes, you have an important text. Go look and see if they have a footnote to it. Oftentimes, they will. What else? Oh, come on. Yes. Yes. No. It says 30 years, but it doesn't have a reference to it. Open up to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Sorry. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1. Can't be the 30th year of that, so that doesn't make sense. Chapter 1 verse 1. 
That is an excellent question. I do not have the answer to that. Would you like a question? Yeah. It took about 30 years, but it doesn't give a reference point. That's exactly, we talked about that verse, and he talks about giving us context, and then there's no context. That's what it's like. Okay, just ramping them on verse 2, you yeah. have no context there, right? Yeah. So our question is, what's that 30 years? Even in the second verse, as the fifth comes the fifth year, but the first verse talks about the 30th year. Right. What I'm saying is the second verse is helpful because it's the fifth year of the exile. Right. We don't know what that 30th year is. That's where a commentary would be helpful. Or if I knew more about Ezekiel, which I don't know much about it, that would be helpful. What's that? In parentheses? Yeah. 451? Well, it says in the reign of Josiah. But it says 14, my 14 is somebody else's. Okay, I don't know. Uh, this is, uh, it's the 30th year after Ezekiel's call. After Ezekiel's what? After Ezekiel's call. After he's called by God. Okay, maybe there's something in the text to that. Who knows? I can look at a commentary, okay? Somebody else want to look that up in a commentary for us? During the week? You want to do that? Okay, make sure it's orthodox. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Not just because it has an imprimatur either. All right. I have another question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just curious because um, at the Transfiguration, there are two people who show up with Jesus. Yes. Moses and Elijah. Yes. Why is Elijah the prophet dead? Shows up. Well, there's two answers to that. First of all, the the traditional answer. Second of all, my answer. (laughs) Which I don't normally come on the opposite tradition. It's orthodox. I hope I'm writing this highlight. Um, the thing is that uh, the tradition says that, that 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 Elijah and Moses tradition. I say consistently, the church fathers have said that Moses and Elijah showed up there because our Lord was the fulfillment of the prophets and the law. Okay, there's a problem with that. A little, there's nothing wrong. With that. Hold on. Nothing wrong. With that. Not a problem. It's not a problem. That's a great interpretation. Fine. But among the Jews, Moses was considered the greatest prophet. Elijah was not. Okay, here's a little secret into the Gospel of John. When they come down to the river and they say, Are you who? Are you Elijah? And then they say, Are you? Are you the, no, they say, Are you the prophet? Most people say, Well, that's Elijah. Well, no, because he just said he's not Elijah. Okay, so it can't be the same guy. For the Jews, the prophet was Moses. And it was believed, because back in Deuteronomy, we'll have a chance to look at that at the Gospel of John, Deuteronomy says, Moses prophesied, says, God will raise up a prophet like me. So they were looking for Moses to return. Okay? I have a further reason why. What do they talk about at the, at the Transfiguration? What is the conversation they have? It says, about, no, about what? There's a word that's used. What's he say? He said they talked about our Lord's upcoming exodus. His upcoming exodus. Okay? Well, why do Moses and Elijah have... Why does he talk to Moses and Elijah about an exodus? Well, Moses is obvious, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Right? Moses, of course, Moses got experience with an exodus. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to be talking to him. And what's Jesus' exodus? Well, there's two things. First of all, his exodus... Out of, I think, out of Hades and, and okay, taking man out of death and into into the renewed life, but also going from uh, the earth to heaven. Okay, but why is Elijah there? Well, Elijah also has his own exodus. Okay, 
Okay? And his exodus has to do with leaving the Holy Land. Remember, when Elijah goes and is taken up to heaven, okay, he has this journey, and he goes, and Elisha keeps saying, he says, stop, Elisha, stop, and he keeps coming with him. And he makes this journey out of the Holy Land, across the Jordan River, and he's taken up into heaven. He has his own exodus, Okay, But the difference is, Elijah leaves the holy place, the holy land, and leaves it and goes in kind of a reverse exodus, goes through the river, and is taken up into heaven, like our Lord is going to do. He's going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to be killed there, right? And he's going to ascend out of Jerusalem and into heaven. Okay, so he talks, that's my theory, is he talks with both these guys because they both have experience with what's going on. That's one. Number three is, both of them were believed to have been assumed into heaven. Okay, and so Elijah's obvious, the Jews believe that Moses also was assumed into heaven. Well, you never see anything in the Bible about Moses being assumed. Jude chapter 1, verse, I can't remember what it is. There's only one chapter in Jude. In St. Luke's Gospel, right before the Transfiguration, Jesus asks them, who do you say I am? And some people say, well, some people say you're in line. Right. And well, eight weeks later, he yeah. encounters guess who? Right, right, right. But Elijah is extremely important because Elijah is the one that will be coming down to proclaim the second coming of Christ. That's true. Elijah's going to come again. He does come the person of... It doesn't um, say anything about Moses coming down, but Elijah will come. And why? She's going to Bible uh, okay, any other questions? We're done? Last question. I want to follow up on the footnotes. Yeah? yeah. Go ahead, make your comment. It Last says thing. the 13th year, which corresponds to the fifth year of exile, has never been satisfactorily explained. Possibly it refers to the prophet's age. Okay, of, of Ezekiel. Right. right, or of whatever we talk about. Ezra. Ezra, okay. Was that it? No, it wasn't Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Okay, so you know what? That's a classic footnote, meaning they don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing to do in a situation like that is try to find a church father. That makes a comment the about it. The day of the fourth month, the fifth year, July 31st, 593 BC. Yeah, that's my birthday. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, last comment. And you, you were very clear to point out you know, how dynamic this is and that these aren't chronological. Other than some of the footnotes, what other sources, how, how do you go about making sense of this? Because you really can get lost and get some theoretical interpretations. interpretations I'd say one thing tradition. Okay, tradition. Always stay close to the interpretation of the church wherever you can find it. All right, we're calling the Bible study off. <laughs>